well, 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 welcome to the Purple Stuff Podcast. Starring Jay from Slush Central and Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. stage matt that was awesome <laughs> we should go on tour yeah it'll be great so tonight we decided to reach into our old 64 pack of crayola crayons and do another color show here on the purple stuff podcast tonight matt i think it's been almost exactly a year since our last one which was the blue show yeah it just felt like forever and people still ask for them believe it or not I would do a color show every month if there was the demand. It's the easiest fucking show in the world. Yeah, but not when you do the weird colors like Periwinkle or Burnt Sienna. Burnt Sienna. My God, that's been on deck for a while. It's not going to be this time, though, unfortunately. (laughs) So what is it tonight? What are we doing? Tonight, we are going to think pink, Jay. Oh, man. This one is a long time coming. Honestly, this was sort of your call to do the pink show. It was one of those things where I felt like you and I would have an easy time picking from all the pink stuff out there. What was hard for me, and I just want to just like preface this entire show, I am not going to pick the obvious shit like Krang or Sharkleberry Finn. How much more can you say about that stuff? And I'm sure you had a few you skipped over for the same reason. But when you said Krang, I was sure you were going to go with Krang. But yeah, that's low-hanging fruit. If I did a crying section, we'd be here for seven hours, and the amount of shit I would send you to review before we recorded, it's like, how much time do you really have? You work a full-time gig, Jay. Yeah, and then I think mixed in there would be some sort of, like, kind of iffy crying memorabilia that you have (laughs) oh yeah no i would send you a list all right i need you to watch these 17 episodes of the original cartoon the new movie the sequel (laughs) and i need you to look at these 17 toys (laughs) and these weird haikus i wrote about him (laughs) yes and play along when i do my impression that's quite a brain you've got crying of course it is it's all i've got So the pig show. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Me too. I think we have a really solid list. There are some things that people might expect, and then there are quite a few things that nobody's going to expect unless they look at our preview images, which I'm sure spoil half the show. (laughs) It's all you need. It's like shorthand. You just have to look at those (laughs) photos we post. I knew this was coming. Yeah. Why listen? All right. Who is going to kick things off tonight? Oh, God. I think it's your turn. It's my turn. Mm-hmm. I'll take it away with my first pink pick. But um. <laughs> Number one. Look out, Batman! Knock out gas! No, boy wonder something much more effective. Radioactive spray. Try this on your cowl for size. <laughs> Thank you. 
Uncle Batman is turned bright pink. A form of virulent radiation, Robin. Quickly, back to the Batcave before it is too late. Matt, I don't think we've done this yet here on the Purple Stuff podcast. We're going back to the 60s. 1966, the Batman TV series had a bevy of villains. And the one we're going to talk about tonight is the Mad Hatter because he tried to turn Batman's cowl pink. <laughs> he didn't just try, he succeeded. And he no, succeeded. we certainly did not. I would remember this insanity. We did not bring this up on the show ever before. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a huge Batman 66 fan. This episode aired January 1967, The Contaminated Cowl. And the second part was Batman Runs Afoul because every episode had rhyming titles. So, by the way, before you even get into that, I forgot that they were all like kind of two parters. So I'm thinking, oh, I only have to watch a 25 minute show. And then at the end, I'm like, wait a minute. You want to see what other episode, (laughs) motherfucker? Yeah, there's a cliffhanger at every episode. Luckily, it was interesting enough to keep me engaged. Yeah. So the Mad Hatter, who's like super over the top, he steals people's hats, like from various citizens, notable people around Gotham City and whatnot. He lost his zest for stealing hats. And he's like, I've (laughs) stolen everybody's hats. I need to get Batman's cowl. Stealing hats has lost its fascination for me. You mean you're going straight? Hardly. Do you think I've blown my lid? This phase of my career will never be over until the caped crusader's cowl is safely in my custody. So before you get deeper, is this guy, like, was he really a recurring villain? Because it would seem to have limited legs. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, how many hat-related theft plots could we have? Yeah, I mean, you would think that there's not that many, but... (laughs) There is. So. Like when, when Batman said that Mad Hatter is back, was that like something he, he had he really been on the show before? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> so he believes that his crowning achievement will be stealing Batman's cowl. And the Mad Hatter sprays Batman's cowl with this tiny pink gun that had radioactivity like Aquanet inside of it. Yeah, or as the Mad Hatter described it, very simply, radioactive spray. Spray! Yeah! <laughs> Plus this plastic gun filled with radioactive spray. When I was a kid, I used to say that all the time. <laughs> radioactive spray. <laughs> radioactive spray. <laughs> it is the most over-the-top spray ever uttered in history. <laughs> So here's the thing. Back as a child watching this in the late 80s and early 90s, I would have tunnel vision if it was one of the main villains and kind of like not really pay attention if it wasn't the Joker or the Riddler or somebody. Now that I'm watching these again, the Mad Hatter is like the best fucking thing that ever happened to that show. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) He really is. So he did successfully spray Batman's cowl and it turned pink, which is why I'm bringing it up, of course, because when you see how vibrant the show was as it is, and then they turned Batman's cowl pink. When we decided on the pink show, you sent me a photo of Batman from this series with the pink cowl. And I'm thinking you're joking, like this is some weird Photoshop you found. Little did I know that there really was an episode (laughs) of this series that focused on Batman's cowl turning radioactive. And you think that that might be like the pinnacle of weirdness, 
But no, what happens then is that Batman and Robin turn into skeletons in this fluoroscope and literally the entire world gets messages that Batman and Robin are dead and everyone is like outraged and crying and it's like the worst thing ever. It takes such a weird turn. <laughs> no! 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 Now, this is how episode one ends. And I'm like, I don't recall any of the other villains successfully murdering Batman and Robin. You hadn't smoked anything. <laughs> is this really happening? It's pretty dark. Is this real life? Yeah. <laughs> and the mourners are great because it's so, I mean, it's stock footage from something oh that's completely different. 50,000 people just, just standing. And Chief O'Hara and Commissioner Gordon were like literally weeping. It's tremendous. The skeletons of the caped crusaders shrouded in their cowls. Hold on to me, Commissioner. Under high voltage X-ray. Oh, oh, oh. No. <coughs> I didn't really appreciate the comic timing of those two until this two-parter because those two on their own when they don't have dick and bruce in the room they are gold together they are so into it it's out of control so there's a part where commissioner gordon is opining about oh god i don't remember what gotham was like before we had batman and robin and o'hara's like well i remember it was a mess it was a mess <laughs> so good radioactive spray radioactive spray I'm so glad you picked this because when I watched the Batman show back in the late 80s when they started rerunning it for the movie, I didn't really understand that it was all supposed to be satire. I just thought like that people were really cheesy in the 60s. So now when I watch it, I'm like, oh my God, every freaking thing that they say is meant to be funny. It's a comedy, but played straight. This was a WPIX staple, not only during the times of the 89 film, but also earlier, because I remember being in like, I think preschool or kindergarten watching this on Channel 11. So they had it way back when. Absolutely. I remember being in elementary school and this is well before the movie. This was really how most kids that I knew and certainly how I knew Batman. I didn't read the comic book, so it was all about this show. Yeah, this might have been my first exposure to Batman ever. Exposure as in radioactive spray. Radioactive spray. Can it have happened at long, long last? The disastrous demise of the dynamic duo. Yesterday, flesh and blood. Now, cowled skeletons. But who could this be? The Mad Hatter again? Demented enough to return to the scene of his fossilized folly? Ah! Oh, what's the matter, Polly? I told you what to expect. But I didn't expect it. Why did you bring me here if you knew about this all the time? Every man likes a pretty girl with him at a skeleton dance. Number two. If it had a mind, you could reason with it. If it had a face, you could look it in the eye. If it had a body, you could shoot it. Everything you know about terror is about to go down the drain. The blonde terror has no shape. Rated R. Now playing at a theater near you. My first pick is The Blob, meaning the 1988 remake, and specifically The Blob itself, which is this pink gelatinous mass from outer space. 
I love this. You have been pitching this movie on the show here and there for years. I had never seen it before this week, and I thought this was a good excuse to finally change that. Wow! It that is movie so is so good! Yeah, it is great. I loved this movie. Holy shit. It's not really a spoof, but all the effects, the look, the charm, and the willingness to get mean actually reminded me quite a bit of Return of the Living Dead. This is like a movie from the 50s that was brought into that era. Right. So trying to kind of shove that old goofy horror down the throats of the audience from that time, they went hardcore. I expected this to be much more of a comedy. It's right. really a horror movie. It is a horror movie. Yeah, absolutely. Sheriff Station. Help me. Get me Herb. Get Herb Geller. He went down to the diner. First of all, I've never seen the original Blob, of course, because I don't see <laughs> fucking anything. Went into this one not knowing a thing about it. So imagine my delight to find out that the stars are Kevin Dillon and Shawnee Smith from the Saw movies. Oh my God, I had no idea that those were the two stars. Right. And they were really good. I was impressed. Great. I killed the strawberry jam. So the plot, as it is, we have this little glob that falls from outer space and immediately starts eating people. And the way it kills people, I mean, it is tar man zombie level. It is oh, yeah. it, it really, really gross stuff is in this movie. Very Terror Vision-esque. It's like it dissolves the people and the effects were incredible. You kind of get grossed out by it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, obviously, this is 1988. This is all practical. And there were really, really clever and unusual gore effects. Like, oh my God, totally. Yeah. People are just getting ripped apart in this movie. And uh, as the blob is eating people, he's getting bigger. And by the movie's climax, he's like the size of a house, essentially. Big ass blob. I guess the one criticism I have is that they kind of telegraph how it's going to end like 10 minutes into the movie. But despite that, it's <laughs> just so, so good. There's one scene where one of the hazmat guys, half of his body is like bubble gum glued to the ground. And he's, oh, my oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it happens over and over and over again. You know, I guess this is a mild spoiler, but this movie really pulls no punches because... They set up this guy, and you think he's going to be a focal character. Like, you think he's part of the main cast. And I would say, like, 12 minutes into the movie, he is just eviscerated by the blob. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so gory. And I'm like, wow, I thought this was the star of the movie. It's weird because occasionally I'll see somebody on social media like post a GIF or something, but I don't feel that this movie has a reputation that it deserves. Like more people need to know about this movie. It's really fucking solid. A thousand percent. Who the hell directed this, by the way? Do you have any idea? Uh, Blob 1988 director. I think it might have been the guy who did that other movie. <laughs> oh my God, it's fucking Chuck Russell. He did Dream Warriors. Yeah, the Chuckster. Holy shit. So, of course, I like this. Yes. 
See, now it all adds up. One of my favorite movies ever. Of course I'm going to like one of his other movies. I didn't even realize that, to be honest. You taught me something tonight. So good. Underrated movie. Very much so. It's big. It's getting bigger. It's at least a thousand times its original mass. It's pink. It's creepier than ever. What a wimp. And it's hungry. Sure, man. Is it Killer Jello from outer space? No. It's the Blob. Sunday at 5 on Channel 11, New York's movie station. Number 3. Whenever I sip strawberry quick, it takes me to Quickland. Where you can bob up and down on the strawberry carousel, catch the magic of the quick ear show, and stroll all the way to the Isle of Strawberry. Bunny, you want some more quick? That would be very nice. <laughs> Nestle Quick, it's a strawberry dream come true. All right, Matt, here's a glass. We're going to mix up some strawberry quick tonight. <laughs> so I know that you're a person who has distaste for milk. So how did you ever enjoy Strawberry Quick or did you? See, when you told me you were considering this, I pushed for it. And the reason is that this is the only straight up milk product in history that I would willingly drink. So you actually would drink it with milk? Oh, yes, because the strawberry quick, I mean, I don't know how it is in 2023. Ingredients change all the time. But back when we were kids, we're talking like, you know, mid to late 80s, that shit was so good. So good. Yeah. And of course, quick is known for their chocolate version. But the strawberry version, I think to us, it always had this kind of mystique about it. It may have been partially the color, but I mean, that flavor was always I don't know. It has a specific, it's strawberry quick, not anything else. Like it's just strawberry quick. If someone hasn't had it, if they're picturing some other strawberry drink or even like a strawberry ice cream syrup, no, yeah. it's like nothing else you've ever had, which is why I made this exception. I always hated milk, but strawberry quick was literally that good. It's the way the powder mixed with the milk in a very special way. But the thing is, is that it was pink powder and lots of times we used to get strawberry quick in a can. It was like a gas can and had this yep. like aluminum screw top. <laughs> yeah, you had to get a fucking uh, flathead screwdriver to open yeah. it. <laughs> Just pry it off. Get a hammer. Yeah. This is what would happen. I would pine to get it. And then it would sit there after one or two times and like no one would have it for like three years. <laughs> and then we would take it out and it was still good. I know why it was up high, like you mentioned, because I actually had the same note. I would go over to my friend's house as a kid, and he always had strawberry quick, but his mother always kept it high up. And I guess the reason is, every time that canister came out, it was guaranteed there was going to be powder all yeah. over the floor. Yeah. Guaranteed. You're right. <laughs> so it's like, it was such an event. Every time he wanted strawberry quick, his mom would come in the kitchen, get on the footstool, bring it out. So the quick bunny in some of the commercials would actually turn pink himself. His voice, by the way, was Donatello also. I don't know if you knew that. Um, I wasn't aware of it, but I immediately get it when you say it. Obviously, yeah, he's barely even changing it for Donatello. Yeah. Pink is part of the equation here. But when you think of Strawberry Quick, you also think of those figural 
plastic containers of the quick, which is like in the syrup version, but that's more red, right? So I'm strictly talking about the powder. Did you ever put it on ice cream? Because that was another thing my friend's family used to do. I missed out on life. I don't know if it was a common thing to do, but like they, after dinner, because they always had dessert. They were one of those families that had like a whole dessert round every night. Vanilla ice <laughs> Somebody cream. Somebody would come over with a big tray of desserts and offer you <laughs> Well, it was just like, in my family, dessert was sort of a happenstance. If there happened to be an Intamin's cake, maybe we had dessert. But in their family, it was like, you didn't leave the table until the dessert round came out. <sighs> And often enough, it would be these vanilla scoops of ice cream and you pour the fucking powder all over Holy shit, that's awesome. (laughs) Really good. Man, I didn't live at all. (laughs) The best thing to do is like leave it in the cabinet for a few years. And then when you put it in the milk, there's like little tiny rocks of it. Oh, yep. Yep. (laughs) And then you have to sit there with the spoon stabbing them to release its strawberry Why won't you dissolve? (laughs) And you're right, it probably never goes bad. In fact, I'm sure if I dig around here, I probably have a container of it from 1987. Maybe it's still drinkable. It probably is. And the last thing I'll leave you with, Matt, is I didn't know this, but Strawberry Quick apparently was big on the drug scene because drug dealers were allegedly using Quick to mix with like meth. There was this whole thing. Hmm. Well, I don't know if I'd be addicted to meth, but if you put some strawberry quick in there, I'd at least be a repeat buyer for sure. When you live in a strawberry patch, you sure get a hankering for a strawberry flavor quick. Strawberry flavor quick in milk. It'll tickle you pink. Number four. Invasion of the muscle things. They've come to drive America nuts. They're ugly. They're weird. They're tiny. They're terrible. And they're pink. There are hundreds of them. It's an epidemic. I'm going crazy. Not catching. Muscle things. Hundreds of different I don't know what's. They run in packs of four, ten, or twenty-eight. Sold separately, new from Mattel. How many can you capture? All right, second pick. I've almost definitely brought these up on the show, but it's been many years if so, and there ain't no way we can do a pink show without talking about Mattel's muscle collection. Muscles. Millions of unusually small creatures lurking everywhere. This was the toy line from, I think, 1985 is when it started. Yeah, 85 in the U.S. It had already been out in Japan. And I'm totally going to skip over all of its Japanese roots because while those are common enough knowledge now, we had no idea about any of that as kids. I don't recall the muscle characters having names beyond maybe one or two of them. Yeah. So to us, they were just these little tiny figures, like an inch, maybe an inch and a half high. Sold in this bubblegum pink, I guess it's like plastic or rubber or something. Oh, God, they were so awesome. They were so awesome and collectible and creative. The characters were so creative looking. And they were fun, man. They were just so much fun to have and to like have your favorites. And like you said, none of them had names. They were basically just numbers. And what I loved about them is that none of them had any backstory from what we knew. So you just kind of made it up as you went along. 
we nicknamed them all and we kind of assigned values to them all. Like, of course, there was the claw, which was number one for everybody. Yeah. There was the one that looked like a building, the one that was like a teacup. Oh, God, so great. Also, we were both wrestling fans as a kid, and that was a big part of the appeal because these were supposed to be wrestlers. They were wrestlers and they were all freaky looking. But then again, there was a couple of guys that were like regular wrestlers. Right. And then they had a couple like scrawny guys. And every time you got one of those in the multi-packs, you'd be like, oh man, I wanted the one that was shaped like a diamond. <laughs> These were sold in four packs on blister cards, box 28 packs, or best of all, the 10-pack garbage can, Jay. Oh, man. And uh, this was made by Mattel. I don't think it was the same exact mold, but it was certainly the same size as the Mattel Masters of the Universe slime can. And like that slime can, you would find those right by the register at KB Toys. Oh, God, yeah. They were like candy impulse items. It was so great. I used to get a ton of these. I believe I also had the championship belt. I still have the championship belt. That is the most cumbersome thing ever, but it looks good around your waist. <laughs> that muscle belt was like the NWA belt. I also think that this line, it's accurate to say that this kicked off the whole little figure fad of the 80s and also into the 90s. Like, you mean uh, like these tiny figures? Right. So things like Army Ants and Monster from My Pocket, I think those lines, they all owe something to muscle. You're absolutely right. And at least for that first year or two, I cannot overstate how ubiquitous everyone I knew collected muscle figures. You get a whole quarter for that word. Ubiquitous? I don't know. Quarter. You might have to reduce it because I use it like three times a show. It's the only big word <laughs> I know, so might as well get some mileage out of it. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. Somebody was reading the thesaurus today. <laughs> it was me. So, all right, I need to send you a link. Okay. In the chat. Send away. All right. So, Matt, I sent you out a link just now. Yeah. Of one of the muscles that I found on eBay that I obviously remember, but it makes me think of like two other characters. I see it right away. It says it's like number 154. I don't know if that's actually the classification, but who does this look like? So first of all, this is one of the ones I liked as a kid, but back then I would never have made this connection because the character did not exist yet. This is very obviously Jason X. Jason X and almost Lord Zed, like mixed into one. Oh, you're right. Oh my God. It looks like both of them. But it's definitely Jason X from 1985. So Jason X traveled back into the past. Sons of bitches. That's where they got the idea for Jason's design in that movie. This is, I mean, it's exactly the same. That's what I'm saying. And I just stumbled upon this guy and I opened up a whole can of worms now. By the way, this link, I see that the item is now out of stock. Would you be the reason for that? I did not buy it, I swear. <laughs> oh, boy. Awesome. So Mattel would later double dip and re-release all of the same muscle figures in bright neon colors. But to me, that seemed like such a downgrade. They were so much cooler in the bubblegum pink. I agree. Yeah, you got to have that pink color. Mm-mm-mm-mm. <laughs> Muscle Invasion Update. Scientists discover muscle things have come to wrestle. America's only hope, the battling belt and the wrestling ring. He moves left. He's hooked one into the battling belt. It goes. He's got another. Folks, this wrestling ring may save the world. One more to go. He's got him. His battling belt is full. Hard knocking rockin' ring, battling belt, muscle figure packs, each sold separately. New from Mattel. Can you save the world? 
Number five. You! You worthless piece of slime! You ignorant, disgusting blob! You're nothing but an unstable short-chain molecule! You foul, obnoxious moth! You have a weak electrochemical bond! I have seen some disgusting crud in my time! But you take the case! You're, you're just... This is what you do with your spare time. We can't have a pink show, Matt, without mentioning Mood Slime from Ghostbusters 2. An obvious pick, but a welcome one. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. AKA psychomagnetheric slime, which responds to human emotions and can turn into big gelatinous shells covering art museums. So, you know, I revisited the movie because you were going to bring it up. And I don't think I ever really appreciated how much of this slime is all over that movie. It's, it's the whole freaking movie is about this mood slime. It's absolutely crazy. They've really incorporated this type of slime into Ghostbusters canon. I think it's great because clearly it really was designed to sell more cans of ectoplasm. Well, if I remember it right, now I know ectoplasm came in a few colors, but I think this color was already sort of the standard. So it almost was like a whole movie based on this toy that we already had. Yeah, exactly. It was probably just like skyrocketing the sales of the slime. So I really wanted to run down some mood slime memories for you. MSM. The River of Slime under Manhattan, which I always love just to see Ray hanging from the rafters. Slime! What? It's a river of slime! The river of slime! The river of slime! <laughs> Great scene. I remember being wowed by that in theaters because, you know, back then that effect was pretty phenomenal. It just looks so cool. And I think as kids, we never really knew what was under Manhattan. So when people are visiting and they walk over those gratings and they're wondering what's under there, it's a river of pink mood slime. You're right, because I grew up thinking that underneath every street were these fucking caverns. Like, I don't know what yes. it's really like under there, but it seems like there's a whole fucking subterranean city. Where the turtles and Ghostbusters lived. Right. <laughs> yeah, and then you had a tub goo monster come out of the bathtub. That was very evocative of what I saw in the Blob movie. Yes. This is almost more of a Blob movie than the Blob was. <laughs> this was part of the Blob. He said, you know what? I'm going to go off on my own and have an acting career of my own. And he got hired to be in Ghostbusters 2 the following year. I almost want to believe that because they are identical. They look exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> so uh there's the ability to animate a toaster to jackie wilson because he just had the boogie he had to beat up the beat oh that's right mm -hmm. classic and i think the ghostly powers that it lends are very cool as well to animate the statue of liberty and <laughs> walk across the hudson river oh my god this movie was liked by people like us at our age, but it wasn't liked by everyone. And you watch that Statue of Liberty scene, you're like, yeah, this is probably where people were thinking maybe it stepped over the line a little bit. Yeah, too kid-oriented. I, I thought it was fantastic. That's the thing. Ghostbusters 2 was made for us. It wasn't made for people who are our age in 1989. But I mean, let's be honest. Your parents may be uh, sitting in the theater with you if you were there, and then you'd think, hmm... 
those cannons of them shooting slime inside of Statue of Liberty. <laughs> it's slime time. That's not nine-year-old humor. <laughs> no, a little bit much. <laughs> Pilot controls are ready. All right, it's getting late. It's almost midnight. Let's go, Venkman. Here's something off the request line from Liberty Island. We gotta squeeze some New Year's juice from you, Big Apple. You know you love Introduced in 1988, Bubble Tape was a game changer, Jay. It was. I know it's still around now, but I feel like these days it's just kind of there. Obviously, somebody's buying it or they wouldn't still be making it, but it's not this like point of style that it was when we were kids. Well, because it was like this new novelty that hit the market. Nothing like that had existed previously. So the gum world kind of got stagnant until Bubble Tape came out. It changed the game. I don't think I really put two and two together until prepping for this show that bubble tape really was the gum that kind of kicked off that whole fad of things like bubble jug and bubble beepers and all these like shaped containers. Right. It was a revolution in the bubble gum game. You wouldn't think that this revolution would start by basing a bubble gum container on a tape measure, but wow, <laughs> did we latch onto it? Oh my God. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe they go more into the office supply route, because if there was like a bubblegum stapler to go along with it. I would bet any amount of money that there was, because I've seen fucking <laughs> bubblegum containers based on everything from the 90s. And speaking of the 90s, this thing came out in the 80s, but it really didn't get popular until the early 90s. Like we were in junior high and I could attest because everybody had these things in school. The gum itself, I don't know if you're going to get into it, but it was more of like a softer gum because it had to be because they had to roll it up. It was like the sticks out of a baseball card pack, but soft. Right, soft. Right. So like you never really had that experience of the stick bubble gum, but actually soft. And in, at least in those first few years, to buy it as often as we did, the gum had to be good. And it was. It was good. It was one of the better gums out there. Although... You wouldn't always just buy bubble tape. It was more of like an event. If you wanted to be a spectacle that day, you bought bubble tape. This was as much a fashion accessory as anything else. Like you had Reebok pumps, starter jackets, and fucking Wrigley's bubble tape. You would wear it on your person in high visibility. I don't know if I'd buy it now as an old man, but <laughs> maybe. <No. laughs> 
We were in the Halcyon days for a while tape. It, it's still out there now, but it just feels like nothing. I look at these old packages and it all comes rushing back. Like I had extremely low status in junior high, but you would go to school with six feet of bubble tape and it would be like, I could make protection payments all day long. Six feet of bubble gum for you, not them. That was another thing. Yeah, it made you cool, gave you cred, but it also, they specifically designed it for the kids, not for the adults. Like the adults couldn't have it. So they have these very stylish MTV style commercials where, yeah, adults would never understand the complexities of bubble tape, but you sure would. The parents could have their old bazooka that is like a, a rock chiseled off of a mountain. That's <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I like that too, but it was no bubble tape. It was not bubble tape, though. <laughs> they eventually added new colors, new flavors, and I think these days you're more likely to find it in these non-bubblegum flavors. But the OG is where it's at. Hot pink case, chalky pink gum, mm-mm-mm. I'm glad it was able to be given the proper respect, finally. Yeah, I was waiting for this moment, Jay. For years. <laughs> but your dad has never been to a heavy metal concert. He dances the polka. He loves lima beans. And he's never tried bubble tape. But your mom's never had a mohawk. She plays bingo. Bubbles. And she wonders, why can't you just chew a nice stick of gum like your father? Bubble tape. It's six feet of bubble gum for you. Not them. Number seven. What started out as a treasured Christmas gift? Keeping out of the sunlight. Turned into the craziest holiday. Keep him away from water. The Peltzer family ever experienced. Don't ever feed him after midnight. Sunday. What is it? Start the new year off with a Steven Spielberg presentation of Gremlins. Let's go for a spin in the Barbie Corvette with Gizmo from Gremlins. Do you remember this scene? Do I remember? First of all, the first gift you ever gave me is a framed poster of Gizmo in that car. Yes! And it's still hanging in my fucking living room, so of course I remember this scene. Yeah, Gizmo driving around the department store in his Barbie Corvette. I just love that scene. And I feel like as kids, obviously Gremlins was filled with amazing scenes, but that is like one of the ones that I had the most fun watching because I was putting myself in Gizmo's position and being able to shrink down to drive like a Barbie Corvette around a store. That's so cool. You have to remember, this is uh, mid-80s. Now, I don't know what the Corvette's reputation is now, but to us as kids in the mid-80s, like a Corvette was the ultimate dream of every child. So you got this awesome pink Corvette. And you can't buy it because you're a boy. You're not allowed to have Barbie toys. So you're thinking, hey, if Gizmo can have it, maybe I can too. We girls love fabulous cars, right, Barbie? that's hot shine. Bright, My sister had this very Corvette. And of course, like of course I've mentioned many times, she never played with any of it. What the fuck? So, what, what was she into? Was, is she an accountant now? What the fuck did she do as a child? Did, you, <laughs> did she have like a chroniform watch at least? Jesus Christ. <laughs> What were her hobbies? Was she ever home? Does she even really fucking exist? <laughs> From the stories you've told, this girl got every toy and she didn't play with a single one of them. 
Yeah, she does exist. But yeah, I wonder about that. I'm like, man, you got a lot of toys over here. No one's playing with these. This Corvette is awesome. But the only so thing you is got that the, what you're getting at is that you actually got to experience the Barbie Corvette. I did, but the thing was, you could really only use it for Barbie because those dolls are so freaking huge that you couldn't put like, you know, a superpowers figure in it. If you really wedged it in, you might have been able to get like Kamala from the old WWF LJN line in there. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, all these years later, I watched that scene and he's just banging around into things and his eyes are going googly. He does a crazy jump up a snow shovel and then he basically saves the day and he just looks like a badass. Yeah, so he like pulls the thing that lets the sunlight in and kills Stripe. And when I was watching this again, I'm like, wow, that's a really gory scene with Stripe's death. It's a totally gory scene, and yet it's so like fun and playful at the same time. And the juxtaposition of both of those things are fantastic. I'm with you on Gizmo driving the car being playful. I don't know that Stripe melting for an entire full minute of screen time with his eyeballs turning white was uh, cute and playful. <laughs> and I timed it. It is. Like, they give that fucker a minute to die on screen. I'm just, wow, this is really excessive. <laughs> it was. When it comes to, like, pink things, this is probably the first pink thing that comes to my head. The Barbie Corvette in Gremlins, specifically. And we've talked a lot about how we grew up wanting girls' toys and, you know, that gender boundary line. I think for me, this might be the ultimate one. A fucking Corvette. Oh, it looks so good. Anybody who's interested on YouTube, there's like one or two accounts where they recreate their own working RC Barbie Corvette with Gizmo riding it around. And I'm watching these videos like, you know how you see these little kids, they're like three years old on like their mom's iPhone and they're like mesmerized by a YouTube video. That was me watching these videos. God, can you imagine having the time to construct a radio controlled Gizmo Barbie Corvette? Or the intelligence. I mean, I, <laughs> like, I have no idea how they did that. Geniuses. <laughs> but I'm watching it. <laughs> Number eight. Madeline before potion. <laughs> after potion. I'm a girl. Helen before potion. And after potion. Sex. They've discovered the secret to eternal beauty. No warning. But the side effects. You pushed me down the stairs. Can be deadly. Oh, damn. Just look at me. Meryl Streep, Bruce Willis, and Goldie Hawn. Death becomes her. Rated PG-13. My final pick is the glowing pink anti-aging potion from 1992's Death Becomes Her, a movie that I love. I love that you picked this. They don't make them like they used to, Jay. I honestly do not know who the hell this movie was ever made for to begin with. <laughs> it's just it, like, why? It's very much like a Tales from the Crypt episode. You know what? I didn't think to describe it that way, but you're absolutely right. This is essentially a big-budget, A-list Tales from the Crypt. It feels like the movie that we should have gotten, the Tales from the Crypt movie. 
It was really well done, I think, and the effects are tremendous. It's such an oddball movie. It's hard to explain it to people. It is hard to explain, and I'm going to give it a shot right now. <laughs> but she's, like you said, it's tough. You got Meryl Streep. She plays Madeline. She's an aging actress who is desperate to reclaim her youth. So she links up with this witchy socialite who is played, by the way, by Isabella Rossellini. I think we could both count her as an early crush, right? Um, no, I wasn't really a huge fan. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> if I'm saying it, then it's universal. I'm the biggest prude. Come on. <laughs> anyway, from her, she buys this mysterious glowing pink potion that stops the aging process dead in its tracks and lets its drinkers live forever. Bottoms up. Now a warning? Magical potion. So cool. Actually resembles um, the mutagen from the old Ninja Turtles cartoon. It looks like the Energon cubes from Transformers. So I was all into it. Yeah. So anyway, later she finds out that her frenemy Helen, played by Goldie Hawn, took the same potion and yada, yada, yada. They end up like killing each other all through the movie, looking like fucking zombies by the end of it. It's just wonderful. If you've never seen it, it's unpredictable. It's one of those types of movies. I do not know what the demo, the target demo would be for a movie like Death Becomes Her. You're putting Meryl Streep into this crazy fucking movie where she gets her head broken off. It's amazing. But since this is the pink show, not the Meryl Streep black comedy show, let's get back to the potion. I was obsessed with that shit, dude. Like, I would stand in my kitchen, drink pink lemonade, and just imagine it being this potion. And I still do that. Well, you do do that because every time when we used to drink occasionally, <laughs> that's how you would do a shot. Like, Meryl Streep drinks that pink potion. Bottoms up. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That probably is where I picked up my shot-taking um... stance. It's like a baseball player has his own personal stance. A few years ago, God, a few, probably been like eight, I wrote a list of my favorite foods for movies and television, the stuff that I would want to try the most. And this was like number one. Yeah. I was always fascinated with this. It had nothing to do with anti-aging or whatever. It just looked delicious. It looks like, you remember the, the old She-Ra cartoon where like the energy that opens when there's like a portal? It looks like that in a chalice or something. Yeah, you're right. Because I was looking up the scene on YouTube earlier, the one where she drinks the potion, and pretty much every comment was comparing it to this thing from She-Ra. Oh, was it really? No, not one person did. <laughs> <laughs> but thinking about it, you are right. And that's the thing. It was very evocative of the cartoons we grew up with that always had that like weird pink liquid in it somewhere because it was animated in the movies. Like, I guess they did like a frame by frame animation over it. All those little touches really made it stand out as a fantastical movie. And I love it now because on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, you would always see these people posting this scene and saying the same thing I am here, which is like, boy, did you grow up wanting to drink this? I sure did. So it ain't just me. 
No, not just you. And you could put strawberry quick in place of it. Oh, man, there's an idea. <laughs> when you stir it up, it even gives the swirling effect. Live your dreams. Gonna go on Instacart after this. Gonna buy myself a weird diamond-shaped chalice and a <laughs> jar of strawberry quick. So, Matt, that was our pink show. It was very pink. Lots of pink things were discussed, Jay. Can't deny it. There's a lot, of course, that we weren't able to talk about, but I think the ones that we did were great. We should run through them. Who wants to start? You want me to go or you want to go? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll go. Okay. You go for it. You had the muscle figures, the little tiny wrestlers, bubble tape, and the blob from 1988, as well as the potion from Death Becomes Her. Oh, man, these are great picks. I already know what your pick's going to be, though. It's between the blob and the potion and death becomes her. And, hmm, I do think I'm going to have to go with the blob, 1988. Sometimes the obvious pick is the one to take. So I would agree with you there. The blob is the strongest thing on my list for sure. It is such a great movie, and I'm glad you picked it. I love the death becomes her potion. But the blob is always going to be there to pop on if you're trying to get into some schlocky horror movie. Yeah, and I got to say, like, doing this podcast for all these years, I've been exposed to so many movies that I otherwise would never have bothered with. And it's actually one of my favorite things about doing the show. This is high on the list of like, wow, where has this movie been? I love that, being able to find something that you may not have seen or read or done. I say read, like, as if I'm going to, here's a book read it <laughs> well it's, it's so it's so weird because i'm you know me like I, it's really hard to get me to watch things i just find experiencing new things tedious i just <laughs> want to experience the same things over and over again so when one actually clicks i'm so excited and i'm watching this first of all this movie is fucking non-stop it's yeah. non-stop action it wastes no time and the entire time i'm like wow i'm loving this i agree i'm totally into it so that was a great pick Thank you. So let's look at your list now. All right. You brought up the contaminated cow Mm. from the Batman 1966 series. This was uh, the Mad Hatter's radioactive spray turning Batman's cow pink. And then I guess he also kills Batman and Robin temporarily. It's it's a show. It is a show. You brought up Strawberry Quick. I'm going to pause you there because one thing I forgot to mention during that real quick is that apparently in my investigation, this wasn't the first offshoot flavor. Banana was actually the first side flavor of Quick. But then I also found out, here's the kicker. They had cherry from 89 to 95 and never saw that in my life. And I don't know if someone's trying to troll me on Wikipedia. Is this like when they said there were uh, Acto Cooler Zingers? Yeah, right? (laughs) I feel like I would have bought Cherry fucking quick. Same with me. I've never seen that, and I can't find it anywhere on the internet. You know what? I want to, before we even jump, we have time. Give me a second here. Yeah. Cherry quick. I'm looking this up. I think someone's just trolling me. When you look up Cherry quick, all you get are pictures of fucking brandy. You know, I don't see it either, but I'm going to take your word for it that it existed. That is something. And you're right about the banana. I saw that too. Banana used to be a much more popular artificial flavor. 
Yeah, it really was. All right, off my sidetrack. Okay, you uh, also brought up the Barbie Corvette that Gizmo drove in the movie Gremlins. And while we're on that subject, because I forgot to bring this up earlier, you know that Gremlins 2 might be my favorite movie, but I actually like Gizmo more in Gremlins 1. The way he looks, it's much more realistic. Yeah, there's a very cool look about him. And I think that could be because for a lot of the shots, they use that giant gizmo (laughs) that you always see. Whenever I see that photo floating around, I'm like, that's how they did it? Yeah. Yeah, so there was that. You brought the mood slime from Ghostbusters 2, which is, again, everyone knows that the mood slime is in it. But until you revisit that movie specifically with the mood slime in mind, you don't realize how it's essentially the star of the movie. It gets more screen time than anybody else. Front and center. Front and center. So let's see. Um, I am going to go with, believe it or not, you might have thought this would be my last one, but I am going to take the contaminated cow. Whoa, man. Here's the thing. I watched this series a lot. I have not revisited it very often as an adult. So watching this two-parter made me really appreciate how good that series really was. Oh, it was so good. And and a lot of people listening probably don't realize that that was the first era where they referred to it as Batmania. Everyone thinks that happened in 1989. But in the 60s, that's when Batmania, because it was a play on Beatlemania. So that's where it came from. If you believe Burt Ward, he was getting more than any of the Beatles. Yeah. He Jesus Christ. Was. He was Robin. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, I mean, I really thought this was a solid episode. A plot that focuses on stealing Batman's mask and turning it pink. How could I turn that down, Jay? It's a a winner. So if people are looking for something to add to their background playlist, put that on. Or their front and center playlist. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so it's been a great time here hanging out on the Purple Stuff Podcast. We want to remind you that we are on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash purple stuff. Yeah, so go there. We have our bonus shows every month. They've been really fun lately. What did we do this month? We ate a bunch of things, didn't we? We get to cheat on our diet sometimes, and people are always like, how do you eat all this stuff? And I'm like, well, because I take like a tiny little bite, and then I just throw the rest away. <laughs> As I've said before, you're like a Disney influencer, but in this particular <laughs> case, like I was fucking chowing down, man. We got those big New Yorker pizzas, and I was just eating away at them. Oh, So definitely check that out. If you can, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Purple Stuff Podcast. I am Jay from Sludge Central. I am Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. Thank you for listening to the Purple Purple Stuff Podcast. <laughs>